We had, I had such a fun time teaching this. We actually taught this at Central on Wednesday nights, and uh, it was a very impactful class. Uh, so much so that, uh, that uh, I mean, people have asked, asked us to do it again, do workshops, and uh, really excited to see, uh, just to see how God's really done this. Boundaries is a book by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. If you've never read it, I would sincerely suggest you read it. Even though we're going to talk about it a lot today and t- tomorrow, I promise you there's some stuff in there that is really exciting. And it, it, I mean, it'll open your eyes to see what God can do with boundaries. So, all right. So uh, this is kind of interactive too. We're not going to just have me speak all the time because that's boring. All right. And, and we saw what happened on Sunday. I'll lose my voice. And Lee's not here, so I don't know who's going to give me a drink of water. So, you know what I mean? And so, and so I, I, you know, so when, when I say boundaries, what do you guys think? Huh? Limits? A wall? Okay. Trump? Got political real quick. <laughs> All right. What else? Fence lines. Okay. All right. And so boundaries are those things. They are things to... Uh, to keep it, to think, you know, they're, they're, they're there to protect us, right? That's what boundaries are made to do. You know, I have a backyard, and in my backyard I have this fence. It's a boundary, and it's to keep my kids in and also to keep people out. That's a boundary. My neighbor kids don't do that. They totally come over every time. They totally disrupt my boundary, you know? I'm just joking. And so if Dean's listening to this, I really love his children. So, you know, and so... And so, you know, but we love, I mean, boundaries is something that's super important to have. Have you ever lived in a house where the backyard had no fence? Okay. And some of you, yes or no? Yes. How did that make you feel? Awesome. You liked it? Oh, yeah. Did you live out in the country? Okay, then you don't count. All right. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> you don't count. You're like, the whole world was my oyster, you know, all right? <laughs> you didn't talk like Yosemite Sam, but I totally placed that right there, all right? It, those people who did have, who, who grew up with no fence in the city, how'd that make you feel? Like I was going to lose my dog. Like you are going to lose your dog? Okay. How else? Huh? Yeah? How else? Exposed. Exposed? Yeah, I just, I could never sleep. I could never like get that, you know, I just, I just felt unprotected, you know, and I, and I didn't like it. I didn't like that very much. Um, but I find out that people who lived out in the country, like my wife didn't have a fence, but she also lived out in the country and that was also freedom, but they did have uh, barbed wire around their property, you know, and things like that. So, I mean, and then again, New Mexico, you can see like 20 yard, twenty miles right in front of you pretty easily. So if there's a zombie apocalypse, you know it's coming. I mean, <laughs> they walk slow. You got a week before they got to you, before you can just start capping things off, you know. So, so I mean, but, you know, it's, it's a very, I mean, boundaries is an extremely important issue. And, and if you don't have them, some pretty bad stuff can happen. So we're going to go to the uh, greatest teacher that I know of our generation, Mickey Mouse. And to see what it looks like when we don't have boundaries. All right. (laughs) Greatest teacher of our generation, Mickey Mouse. So according to Mickey, what happens when we don't say no? Yeah, people can... Did you know that no is such a powerful word? And just as if you can't say no... If you can't say it and you can't, it can't come out of your mouth because it's not in your repertoire, because you're afraid of all the things that come with it and you tell, can't, afraid of disappointment or whatever it is that we're, that we're getting to, if you can't say that to people, what you are is you have a back gate or a backyard fence that has no fence and people can just walk right over it whenever you want. And so we have to establish some boundaries. And what I find that the biggest thing that our generation, especially this generation, has a problem with is no. But that's funny. I mean, what's funny is the people, they've learned it from another generation, which was right before them. And they had a problem with no. And they learned it from a generation that was before them. And they had a problem with no. Because it's not just a generational thing. It's a human thing. To where we get caught up in saying, I don't want to say no. We're more concerned with everyone else's needs that we neglect our own. 
That's very important to, to look at. That concern is usually driven from fear of rejection or not knowing how to handle conflict. Those are the kind of things that, that we get up. And just like Mickey, we end up saying no because we've been beaten beyond our breaking point and we lash out at the wrong person. I love that about that video. That's one of my fa- favorite parts is when Donald teaches them how to say no because the world will teach you how to say no. You'll just start saying no to the wrong things. To the people who honestly need help. I love that little old lady. Can you help me across the street? No! Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's, it's, isn't that true? You're totally cool with a one-legged man borrowing your razor to shave his back. But a little old lady, no, I'm not helping you. Isn't that weird? The, the, what, when you have no boundaries, how things get skewed pretty easily. And so when we have no boundaries, the world's going to teach us boundaries. But we learn the wrong thing. I know when I was of the world, and I was, you know, I would, I would you know, before I was a, a believer, I, I became a believer when I was 23 years old, and I, I remember walking through this, and, and I would say no to things that were beneficial, like church, and people loving me, and being part of a community, I'd say no to that, but I was totally cool with going out Friday night and just giving myself to anything that would walk. It's because my boundaries were skewed. I didn't have the proper setup. And maybe you're not that far, which is great. Maybe you are which we all need to learn how to say no and how to set up our boundaries and what they look like. When we say no, and it's to the wrong things, just like Mickey, the people who actually need help and we could have had an impact on, we say no. And it's usually because we're tired of the world always running over us, over and over. And so when we are more concerned with with everyone else's needs that we neglect our own, that's when our boundaries, that's when we're going to be feeling tired and, and exhausted and that we can't get out. And so, you know, how'd it work out for Mickey in the end? How'd it work out in this little cartoon? Yeah, yeah, Scrooge gave him 5% back. And isn't it funny, I, you know, you always go to the money. That's the one, always one I first remember. Got his money back. Oh, we're good to go, you know. The, the ducks, you know, rolled up the toilet paper. Peg Leg Pete still gave him his used razor, which you're like, ugh, but okay. <laughs> Minnie gave him back the butter. It all worked out. Does that happen in real life, though? No, no. We, we go to it and we expect something like this. I know you probably can't see it because my big head's in the way and I apologize, but we expect something like this. You're like, oh, the world's just going to respect my boundaries. I'm going to respect others' boundaries, and I'm going to end up at the dock with the one I truly love, and it's just going to work out. But if you don't fight for that moment, you'll never have it. And so you've got to fight to get those moments. You've got to fight to, to recognize when to say yes and how to say no in those things. And so the problem is, with boundaries, blank isn't working. These are some misconceptions on how we set up proper boundaries. The first misconception of blank isn't working is, if I just try harder, then it will work out. I can make it through this situation if I just give it my all. Is that a dangerous concept? If I just try harder, it'll work? Why? Why is that dangerous? Could be wasting your time on it, yeah? Huh? Could overexert yourself, yeah? Yeah? It just, sometimes, it, sometimes we just try harder. All we're doing is we're digging our own grave. <laughs> That's all we're trying to do. We're just digging it faster. And so we'll say things like, that relationship wor- w- might work. I can save that person if I just try harder. <laughs> But no matter, those people who, who have who, who've been in the, you know, who have reached out and who have, who's like, man, if I just show up and I meet this person every time and I just try harder and I'm there every time, it'll work out. How does that work out usually? Why? Why does it end up in disappointment? Because you can give your... Okay. Yeah, one person, it's a one-way street. Yep. What's up? Yeah. To a point where yeah. You got nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. I love. That's true. I love how Cloud and Townsend puts it. Anyone here know how to juggle? Oh, you do. Okay, cool. That's awesome. So, so maybe two percent out of the hun- you know, the one hundred percent know how to juggle. Well, you ninety-eight percent. I'm going to talk to you for a second. If I just handed you more balls, would that help? Why? 
right? <laughs> I can't handle the three that I have. You want me to do four? <laughs> this is never going to work. It's never going to work if we just try harder. And we try to juggle those balls and we try to put them up in the air, but guess what? They'll always fall down because we don't know how to set up that boundary. Another thing that we just, if we ju- the problem is, if I just be nice, then it'll work out. Has anyone ever grown, did anyone grow up around this person or anything like that? I did. I did. Uh, when things were wrong or when I was feeling things that I wanted to work through, I love my mom to death. She doesn't do this anymore. She used to do this. Oh, wait, well, why don't you just have a cookie? You're sitting here like, I'm still dealing with problems, and it's so delicious. It's so good. You know, and you're sitting there. It's such a good cookie, Mom. But I still struggle with who I am. You know, and I mean, you know, I just, I just, yeah, yeah. We ended up, we, I ended up full, but I still had my issues. You know, if I just be nice, it'll work out. And, and, and we don't just try to fix it with food. We try to rely on things like charm and wit and hospitality to set up this boundary. Have you ever met anyone that's, have you ever heard this, this scenario, or this saying is, uh, I, that person can charm their way out of a wet paper bag. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. No? Yeah? Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, I grew up with that saying, because I could charm my way out of a paper bag. And I found out I was still in the same predicaments as I was, just because I was nicer charming. I am charming. Have you seen my wife? She's super hot. <laughs> you know, I can charm, the, I can charm you to death, you know what I mean? No, no. like. But we realize that that person, charm and wit and being nice, is just a fake person. And this person just wants me to be, then maybe I can manipulate them into doing things that I believe is beneficial for them. If I'm just nice enough, then maybe they'll catch on and they'll be nice to others. But does that save their soul? No. That's why this boundary is a dangerous boundary. If I just be nice, then things will work out. Another boundary problem is if I take more responsibility for other people, then it will work out. No. Okay, all right. Why is that a bad, why is that a bad ex- thing? Why is that bad? You can't help somebody else if you're not standing on your own Okay, all right. Yeah? <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's why a lot of these things are dangerous, is because a boundary, really what it boils down to, is I'm just controlling things that fall within my realm. What you do is your boundary. And as no matter how many times I try, I can't save you. I'm not Jesus. I can't do it. But I can be responsible for my actions. I can be responsible for those things. So if you take more responsibility and hope that it'll work out, it's not going to work out. And it's, this is by far the most common way of trying to make it work. Uh, in this method, a person has just completely abandoned responsibilities for themselves, and the other person answers for them. This happens a lot with parents and kids, you know, of, you know, of like, oh, they're just trying to find themselves. Like, they're 24 years old. They need to start finding themselves. You know, that's, that's one of the problems right now is I need to take responsibility. And if you want to know what the, 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 I believe the main problem with the generation below you guys is, is they have no clue how to take responsibility for their actions. But that, what, and I can look at that other generation and go, man, that's true. Am I mimicking, am I taking responsibility for my actions? The only way they can learn how to do it is if I can do it myself. You know, just like Mickey, I just can't hope one day I'm going to say no i got to learn how to do it, and I, gotta be, be, I have to be very responsible. So, is being hard or being wrong and being nice and being kind and taking responsibility, are those bad things? No. Why? Wait, I just, wait, totally ruined my points. I just talked about how those were really bad things. You said, why, why is those things, why are those, no, explain yourself. There is, I know, for lack of a better word, yeah. Yeah. Yep. The only time those things are wrong is when I take responsibility for those others' actions and not my own. And I try to be kind for you, or I try to take responsibility for you, or I try to be nice for you. That's when it's wrong. 
the, when a boundary really starts to take place is when you start doing it for yourself. You start looking at it and going, well, when I, when I, take, when I take others' actions, and when, I, when, we, when we do those things, they're not uh, attributes of following Jesus. When we're just nice and we're just kind and we take responsibility, there, you look more Christ-like and you look Christ-like when you take the responsibilities on yourself and say, God, I'm going to allow your word to change me. We've all been that person in church. I know I have. When I hear Mitch say something really fantastic and I go, Hoo-hoo, that person needed to hear that. When really, it's me that needed to hear that. Because that's really what it boils down to. I have no, I have no control how you perceive what's being said on Sunday mornings, or how you read the Bible. I can only control me. And I'm going to do it for myself. And that's when boundaries are set up. And that's when boundaries are actually beautiful things. So how does God intend on us to do it? It's a great question. Glad you asked. All right? Go to your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. All right? Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Great verse. Fun verse. And it's a verse that uh, I actually get thrown at when I'm doing boundaries classes a lot. Of going, well, Clint, if you're supposed to take care of yourself and you're supposed to, to be responsible for your own actions, then explain Galatians 6, chapter 2. Or six, chap- chapter 6, verse 2. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> like, it says this in 6, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Then when we take, each, uh, take care of each other, we look like Jesus. That's just true. That is the church, guys. Very much. That is exactly what we, what we are called to do and what we're supposed to do for each other. We're supposed to carry each other's bur- burdens. Deny ourselves and do what others, what they cannot do for themselves, is showing the world's sacrificial love of Christ. Jesus did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He picked us up. He carried our burdens. So, when people start at Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, I, saw, I ask them this, but whoa, 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 what about Galatians chapter 6, verse 5, three verses down? What does that say? Does someone read me? What does that say? Or look at the PowerPoint. <laughs> right now? All right. For each one should carry their own load. Whoa! Doesn't he just contradict himself? In 6, 2, he says, carry each other's burdens. In 6, 5, he says, carry your own stuff. Doesn't that, isn't that contradicting? Why? Because you're responsible for your own individual actions. Okay. Well, we have to take ownership in certain aspects of life that are on load. You, you, and, and we're going to learn. Let's, let's, I think what we really got to do is we got to examine these two things and learn the difference between a burden and a load. Those are the two verses right there, right? One says carry each other's burdens. The other says carry each other's load. What's the difference? Did you know that those verses are actually two separate words? They're not the same word, and I love Greek for that reason. Uh, Greek is, one, is a really fun thing, and this is like one of the very rare times that I got to go into Greek that made sense, all right? The Greek word for burden is baros, all right? Baros. That's where we also we get the word donkey, all right? Beast of burden. You ever heard that? Beast of burden, referring to a donkey. Baros is the burden, all right? It means excess burdens, things that weigh us down. These burdens can crush us. We can carry excess in life by ourselves, but it breaks our back when we try to do this. And we need help carrying these burdens, particularly in times of crisis and tragedy. Those kind of burdens are like a death. Those kind of burdens are like, thing, like, a, like going through a healing as a choice class. That's a burden that we're going to need each other to help us pick up and go. When I first found out that I was abused as a kid, I needed people to help me carry this burden and walk with it. But it would be wrong with me to think that they need to carry it their whole life. That's wrong. I need to get better. I need to be healed, and I need to walk. A burden is an excess thing that is a time of crisis and a tragedy. Very, very important. So in that moment, when things come down and they rush on me, we'll go, you know, I need the church. I need to call Lynn and Carol or, or, or Kevin. I, or, I just need to call someone and share this moment with it. Because I can't do it on my own. I need other people's help. That's a burden. It's placed on you. A load, which is really, really interesting, a load means part or cargo, all right? 
These loads, uh, the, it actually comes from the Greek called portion, portion. All right, portion part can also mean things like, like I said, cargo and things like that. These loads are feelings, are, are things like feelings, attitudes, behaviors, as well as responsibilities God has given us. Even though it takes effort, that's my load. That's on me. All right, for example, one of the things that's, that's on me, that's very important that God has put in my way to handle is my children. My children is on me and Kelsey. That's what they are. They're my kids. It'd be wrong of me to think that you were supposed to raise them. That's wrong. You know, uh, we were going through, we actually, this, this just happened. We, we were uh, talking to, Asher's starting kindergarten next year. We're like, all right. So, you know, makes you feel kind of old in that moment right there. You know, and so we, he's going to kindergarten and everything. And, and you know, we were, we're, we're getting ready to talk to the teacher. And I said, you know, it's not your job to raise a kid. It's mine. It's your job to teach. And I, I, I support you. I'm here for you. And that person was like, you know how many times they expect me to be the parent? <laughs> That's someone else's load that we're expecting to other people. Another thing, have you ever, have you ever said things like, well, it, you know, another load is like feelings or attitudes or behaviors? It's like, I'm going to have a good attitude if this person has a good attitude. <laughs> That's not on them. You have a good attitude. That's your load. That's your portion. You know, uh, I, I used to be big on this, behaviors, and it's like, I will act a certain way if this happens, you know, and like one, like, I remember when I was in eighth grade, this is how ridiculous it sounds, because this is what it is, you know, it's like, it's like you know what, in eighth grade, I'm going to marry this lady named Landry Rush, I'm so excited, la, da, da. and if I just make this free throw, we're going to spend eternity together, swish, no! I'm just joking, I didn't swish, but, uh, you know, like, <laughs> Those are weird behaviors. Those weird behaviors to be contingent on. But yet we do that all the time. We do that all the time. You know? Like, I, I know guys that I'll counsel them. is like, well, if it's not a new, new episode of my favorite show, I guess I won't look at porn. <laughs> Knowing dang well that the series finale was last week. They're setting up themselves for behavior. And they're going to follow through on it. Behavior is on me. My, that's my load. Boundary issues arise when people act like their loads or their boulders are daily loads. And they refuse help for loads. Let me say this again. Sorry, I, I, I messed it up. Boundary issues arise when people act as if their boulders are daily loads. That's when the boundary issue arises. And they refuse help for those times of calamity and, and, and things that can really, truly change our life. And, those, and we act as if those boulders they shouldn't have to carry. When we reverse the two, perpetual pain and irresponsibility happen. When I start putting my, my, the, the, this, you know, this giant thing that came on me, if I start carrying these burdens and I go, you know what, that's other people's responsibility. But these daily loads, like my attitude, and, and, and I start having other people try to come through for those, and it's like, you're responsible for my good behavior and my good attitude. Isn't that exhausting? Isn't that, I mean, I mean and those people in ministry are like, oh, gosh, that's the hardest thing in the world. Just show up and show up and show up and show up. I had a guy one time, this happened in Corpus Christi. He would say, every time you call me, man, I just won't, I don't think about that sin or I don't think about those things. And I was like, yeah, every time you're like that, man, just give me a call. Yeah, we can do this together. He called every hour, it seemed like. And to the point where it's like, I can't do this. And I felt like the Holy Spirit go, you were never supposed to. This was all on me, Clint. And you're trying to take my spot. When we reverse the two, when people's loads become burdens and burdens become loads, perpetual pain and irresponsibility happens. And when Mickey could say no, this was him not taking up his load, but he was expecting everyone to just respect his boundaries. He was respecting, he was just saying that. And Mickey didn't ask for help with all the requests he simply decided. It was his job to come through for everybody. That's his job. 
And that is making a burden a load and a load a burden. So I got, a, uh, I got another little video. This is the only session that will watch two videos, okay? Um, and this video, I got to get there real quick. We're going to see, we're going to see, I see that Lynn, Lynn commented on Hannah's thing. I can't wait to see what that says. Uh, <laughs> in, uh, let me get there real quick. Okay, let me set it up real quick. So, all right, <laughs> that wasn't awkward at all. We'll just cut that part out so people just don't know about it online. So, all right, <laughs> so in boundaries, are you responsible for taking control of your boundaries? Or are your boundaries responsible for taking control of you? No. Okay, which one is it? The first one? Why? Okay, all right. And your boundaries might not always be good Okay. All right, your boundaries might always be good boundaries. All right, all right. So... In our boundaries, do we, have to, do we have to determine what and pick and choose what we're going to fight and how we're going to fight it? Sometimes? All right. There is, this is actually a perfect video for, for dealing with our boundaries, something that I, is this a fight that I need to do? Is this a fight that I even need to come through? Because we just determine, yeah, there's important things with, well, I need to say no. Just saying no is good enough. I'll just start saying no to everything. We'll be good to go. Class over. Woo! You know, like, No. No, what we have to do is we have to look at it and we have to determine what kind of boundaries do we need to set up. Because if we do not start fighting those things that are trying to impede on your boundaries, those things like other people's attitudes, those are people's actions, if we don't start doing that with other people, guess what? Your lives are going to be ruined. Let's see how it worked out for Mickey, though. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone can go to uh, Natalie afterwards and see what it says. And so, (laughs) but that's like, (laughs) I love that because we, (laughs) y'all don't get to hear Dave's commentary, which is one of my favorite things. It's in Spanish. That's in Spanish. I know, I know. I tried to find it in English. They didn't have it, you know. And <laughs> no, I'm just joking. They actually made that in Spanish, but it's so perfect for boundaries. Did those pinatas respect that it was Mickey's birthday? No. What did they want? We're not sure. They just wanted chaos. What they wanted is they wanted to steal Mickey's joy. That's what they wanted. They wanted to take the things that were precious to Mickey, like the cake and the beautiful things and the beautiful sceneries and everything, and they wanted to destroy it. Because people who have no respect for your boundaries hate joy. They hate joy. And they want to destroy it. And that's why it's our, import, it's, it, it's our job to, to set up boundaries and go, no, you can only go so far. I'm not going to allow that to impede on, on this day or whatever it is. A good example of this is when I was getting married to Kelsey, uh, I had this like, weird thing with my sister, Carrie. Uh, I love Carrie. Carrie and I, we, we, actually, we have a great relationship now. We had a pretty rocky relationship growing up. We were siblings that always fought. You have a sibling that you always fought with and everything. Yeah. And so I always fought with my sister about stupid stuff. And Carrie, and she had a lot on her plate on my wedding day. I put a lot on her. Forgot my shoes. And I was going to allow that to ruin the rest of my day. Forget the fact that they were my shoes. And I was supposed to be the one who was responsible. They were tuxedo shoes. They were real shiny, you know, and everything. And I forgot them. I forgot them at my grandparents' house. And I asked Carrie to pick them up. She said, yeah, I can. But she had a lot of stuff on her, on her plate, and she forgot them. And I was literally going to allow that moment to ruin my wedding. I was going to allow that because Carrie forgot. She was vindictive, and she was mean. She was really, when I was just looking at the other person going, maybe she just forgot because she had a lot on her plate. You know, and so it's when those boundaries issues get get contingent on other people is when boundaries can get pretty skewed. 
and pretty scary. Um, our bound, uh, I, this needs to be answered real quick. Are boundaries a biblical thing? Yes. Yes, they are. Uh, one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 23, verse 1. It says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A rod was used to keep sheep within their boundaries. That's what it was used to do. Uh, this verse is saying that even go, though we go through the shadow of death, the darkest valleys, we don't have to avoid them, but we can do it wisely and confidently, not because of anything that we stand on, but because who our shepherd is. It's our shepherd who has the rod and the staff. That's what I'm going to rejoice in. It's not Clint Hill or Len Stringfellow. It's Jesus. Jesus has that. So are boundaries a biblical thing? Absolutely. Uh, another uh, evidence that I think is the best evidence for a biblical boundary is John chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We are called to be like Jesus. And Jesus interacted with us when we were unclean. But here's the thing about Jesus is he had personal boundaries. He had those set up. He made his dwelling in the darkest of valleys and he gave light. That's what he did. He didn't shy away from those awkward situations. He embraced them. But he said, you will only go so far. You know, when people came up and go, you're not the son of God, he didn't go, oh yeah, you're right, you don't like me, and he walked away. <laughs> no. He said, you don't know who I am, but I know who I am, and I know where I came from. Your boundaries are not mine, because I know where my boundaries lie. So they're the most biblical thing I think there is. He's God, and, and people can say this about, you know, especially about others. well, he's God, and we need his guidance to navigate th these waters. You're absolutely right. We need, we need God. We need Jesus to navigate our boundaries to see which one is good and which one is bad. We need his help. So how can a boundary help? I think this is important to look at and, and, and say, what falls within my boundaries? All right? So what am I responsible for? Okay? So the first thing that I'm responsible for is my feelings. Can you give me a duck mouse so you can see? All right? <laughs> my feelings. I'm responsible for my feelings. Uh, it says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 32. We're going to have some stuff if you want to write down some verses that go along with these. Um, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people, and they have already been with me three days, and they have nothing to eat, and I don't want them to, to send them away hungry, or they collapse, and they'll fall on the way. Jesus had feelings. He looked at the people, and this was when Jesus was about to feed 5,000 people, and he's like, we need to do something about this. And he did something about this. He, he controlled his feelings in it. You know, there are other, other times when Jesus, uh, you know, when the rich young ruler, like one of my favorite things to say about the rich young ruler, is when he walked away from Jesus, Jesus walked away from him. Jesus controlled his feelings on the scenario. Did he want the rich young ruler to follow him? Sure. But he didn't. And Jesus didn't dwell on that. So my feelings is what I'm responsible for. Another thing that I'm responsible for is my behaviors. I'm responsible for your behaviors. Has anyone ever told you that? It's true. You're responsible for your behaviors. I lived my whole life going, I act the way I, the way I am because of what was done to me as a kid. That's why I'm a jerk. And if you don't want to know what happened to me as a kid, I was abused from the time I was four to the time I was seven. And I said, what happened to me as a kid is a product of why I am today. I'm a jerk. That's what I am. But I've been trained to be a jerk, so it's your fault. <laughs> I'd love to tell you that wasn't my line of thinking, but that was my line of thinking. <laughs> I'm a jerk. Your fault. <laughs> no, my behaviors relied on me. It says in Galatians chapter 6, Verse 7, this, and we're going to read 7 and 8, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Verse 7 says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be knocked. A man reaps what he sows. Verse 8, Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction, and whoever sows to please the Spirit will reap eternal life. So I'm responsible for my behaviors. Another thing that I'm responsible for is my choices. 
Uh, you ever heard, <laughs> I always think this is funny, when someone makes a bad choice, they say something like, when I, and this grew up, this tells you I grew up in the 90s, and this, people said this all the time, only God can judge me. You ever heard that? Like, and I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, that thought now should terrify you. <laughs> that should be like one of the most scariest thoughts ever. And you're sitting around going, only God can judge me. That's why I drank six six-packs that night. That was a context I've always heard it in. Yeah. And, and you know, we'd also say things like, you know, uh, only God can judge me, so that's why I'm going to act out in a certain behavior or whatever that is. I'm going to make a bad choice. Why? Because this is my response. <laughs> But I'm responsible for my choices. I'm, you're, do you know that? Do we get that? That you're responsible for the things that you do? I mean, consciously we do, but in our heart, I really believe this generation has a really hard time to re- that believes that your choices are responsible and they fall on you. It says in Joshua chapter 20, verse 15, it says in verse, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 24, verse 15, it says this. But if serving the Lord seems undesired to you, then choose for this day whom you will serve, whether gods or your ancestors who served the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites and giving your hand. But then Joshua goes on to say, but as for me and my household, I will serve the Lord. You choose what you're going to serve. You choose what you're going to do. Another thing that falls within your boundaries is your values. Your values fall within your boundaries. Uh, it says in John chapter 12, verse 42, Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put into the synagogues. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. I'm responsible for my values. I used to blame my dad a lot for that. You know, it's the way I was taught. Like, no, you're responsible for your values. You're responsible for them. And a lot of these things, too, and we're going to get to this a little bit later, but a lot of these things, you're responsible to relearn. Did you know that? It's your responsibility to be in Scripture and look at it and go, well, my choices, my behaviors, my values, my feelings. We need to go to Jesus and go, what am I supposed to feel? You know, and that was a big deal for me because I would go up to Jesus and I would say things like, I felt anger for so long. How do you experience joy? I don't know how. And that's what we got to do with God. He's got to reteach a lot of these things. And part of that value system should not rely on your parents or what you've taught. Or your, it should rely on God and God reteaching us what we need to do. You know, how many people had their lives together before they met Christ? No one. He had to retrain everyone how to think. Do you think Peter was like, <laughs> God, I got it all figured out. <laughs> no, he never talked like that at all, okay? <laughs> he never did that. You know, a lot of those times, like, we see, I love, I love that Peter had to change his values. We got to see that. I really like that because, like, when Jesus said things like, you know, on the third day I'm going to die and then I'm going to raise again. And he's like, Peter says, far be it, Lord, this happens. I'm not going to allow this to happen. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for you don't have the things of God on your mind, but the things of man. He had to relearn his values. He, that was Peter relearning, going, oh, I have man's values on my mind. I need to get God's on my mind. He had to do that. So we have to relearn our values. That falls within my boundaries. Another boundary that, I, that falls within it is my limits. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, read there for a minute for, uh, till verse 13, Paul writes this, I'm responsible for my limits. I wrote to you a letter not to associate with the sexual morale, uh, not or immoral people, sorry, not all, uh, meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy, or the swindlers, or the idolaters. In that case, you would, have not, you would have to leave this world. Verse 11, But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but a sexually immoral, moral, or greedy, or an idolater, or a slanderer, or a drunkard, or a cinder. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those on the outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside, expel the wicked person from among you. You know, we are responsible for my limits. You know, what Paul's saying right here is my limits is the people within the church who call themselves believers. Those are my limits. 
If you don't call yourself a believer, guess what? You're not in my limits. I have no control. I, I have no say in anything that, we, that what's said or done. Those are beyond my limits. But you, and, and we're talking, and you know, I've, we've all met that person. I've met that person <laughs> where they go, you know, I, I love Jesus, but I just really like uh, messing around with my girlfriend too. And you're sitting there like, then you don't love Jesus. You know, you need to redefine your limits. And the perfect way to redefine your limits is Scripture. Is what Scripture says and how Scripture does. And so, but we are responsible for that. Quit judging those on the outside of the church. You know, I've had, I've had people come up to me a lot and go, did you know gay people want to be married? They're outside the church. Who cares? Who cares? It's not traditional values. Jesus wasn't traditional. Is it wrong to be gay? I believe so. But I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to go, you know what, you're in the wrong. Now, if they're a believer going, you know, I, I'm going to behave this way. All right, well, you're saying that that sin doesn't matter. Now we have a problem. Because now you're saying that one sin matters over another sin. And I have a problem with that. It's within our limits to judge those on the inside of the church, not the outside is what I'm trying to say. And we are responsible for my limits. Another thing that falls within my boundaries is my talents. My talents fall within my limits. You know, there's a really great story of Jesus, or of a master getting all these, you know, needing workers in his field, and he says, I'm going to pay you a denarii. Uh, and he says, uh, he says, okay. And he gives his, uh, you know, he, he pays these people uh, denar- denarii, and he says, uh, and he says, I want you to expand and grow it. And there's one wicked servant that went around, and he buried his talents. And then he came back to, to his master and he said, I was afraid. And all these other guys, they, they, you know, they, they invested and they, you know, they, they, they grew what the money that the master gave him. And this guy comes back to his master and said, I'm scared of you. And because I was scared of you, I hid it. And, and what's really funny, the, 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 the master says, how dare you not share your talents, you unfaithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will not put you in charge of more. And he says, he says to this, he says, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I would harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So then when I returned, I would receive it back with some interest. We're responsible for our talents. We're responsible for that. Did you know that? You know, I meet people who say things, well, and this happens a lot here, so I'll just use this as an example, but I'm not trying to single out anybody. I'll say, hey, I really need a scripture reader or something like that. I really need someone like that. And they're like, I can't do that, even though they're a fantastic reader and they can read. Like, it's not like you don't go to a stop sign and go, no, you know, you can read. All right? You can do that. I just don't want to use my talents for God. A big thing of this is I, I just don't want to reach out. Why? Because it's an inconvenience. Yes, we all get that. Yes, it's a huge inconvenience. But you have a talent for people. We can't bury those talents. We've got to use them. A um, couple more. What else falls within my boundaries? My thoughts. My thoughts will fall within my boundaries. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we demolish arguments in every persistent that sets itself up against knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and make it obedience. Did you know you must own your thoughts? You know, I used to say things like, well, it's in my mind, so therefore, you know, if you could judge what's in my mind, <laughs> you own your thoughts. We have to own our thoughts. Uh, another thing that we own is my desires. Those fall within my boundaries. My desires fall within my boundaries. Psalm 145, verse 19. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and he fears their cry of those who save him. So my desires fall within my boundaries. The other things that fall in my boundaries is my love. Oh, it says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 12, We are not withholding our affection from you, but we are holding yours from with us. As fair exchange, I speak to you as children. Open your hearts wide also. A loving heart is a lot like the physical heart. We need, we need an influx of lifeblood to pour out. We need that. And boundary issues arrive when our loving heart is, out of, is, is not out of blood, but it's out of stone. We just don't care anymore. 
And so these are the things that you're responsible for. There's not very many of them, but believe it or not, they're very important to be responsible for. And I know we went through a lot of scripture and everything, and I thank you for that. But I love the fact that when you read the book Boundaries and everything, when they talk about this, they go, you need to know. You want want to know why you need to know in Scripture? Because that's the ultimate authority. If anyone else comes up to you and says, hey, you need to wear a blue shirt, guess what? That's not in the Bible. And you have the power to say, that's not in the Scriptures. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. We have to build our lives and our boundaries on what the scripture says and does. It's our ultimate, it's our ultimate, it's the will in this, the God, it, it's what God has written down to us. So there's three ways, there's just a couple ways of how boundaries are born, okay? So did you know that boundaries are born? That's what happens to a boundary. You know, they don't just, they're, 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 they're expressed, they're thought out, they're tried, they're tested. And we, we have to figure out how to kind of bring these out. So how are they born? They're one born from bonding. Bonding means to form relationships that are good, with you, good for you. They are bonded together. You know, when people want to invest in you and you allow them in and they allow, in, they allow you in, you have bonded and you have, brought the, you have brought each other in, which is a fantastic thing. And we know, it says in 1 John chapter 4, 16, and so we know and rely on the love of God that the God has for us. God is love, and whoever loves is in God, and God is in them. Bonding from good relationships. You form those with people. And for those who are going, I don't like people, guess what? You can't get good boundaries alone. That's how we ended up jacked. Alone. That's what we did is we're like, guess what? I'm going to do this on my own. And that's why you think this is a bad, this is a good thing. That's why, you know, and so <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, really, I really liked the, the, some of the things that they talked about in the book boundaries. They would say things like, like, you ended up alone. That's why you think alcohol is a solvable solution. You are alone. When you're alone, you don't make the best choices. We don't. No one does. You have to bond. Another thing that you have to do is they have to be hatched. <laughs> it's like, that's right. I know people like, like, like eggs. That's right. So, you know, you cannot, you can learn very important lessons from the genealogies of Jesus. The one of my favorite, I mean, Matthew chapter one, verse one is some of my favorite stuff to talk about. Do you know what's in Jesus's past? Really bad stuff. Jesus himself, this is the possessed refrigerator. (laughs) Jesus himself in his family has this. He's he's personally responsible. His family is personally responsible for splitting up Judah and Israel. Personally responsible. Right in the lineage of Jesus. Another thing that's in Jesus' lineage is uh, David with Bathsheba. Yeah. The worst part of David's life, that's how Jesus is born through Solomon. (laughs) Worst part. That's how Jesus, that, that, and that's where it's at. Another one of my favorite parts is Rahab, the prostitute. Prostitution is in Jesus' past? Yeah. Did you know uh, the story of Judah and Tamar? I really like this story. Judah, was his, uh, his step, or his, uh, not stepdaughter, but his uh, uh, daughter-in-law was Tamar. Tamar married her husband. Her husband died. And uh, Judah said, hey, well, my son, because of age, you can marry him. And Tamar realized that the son was very young. So what did she do? Prostitution. That seems like a lost, uh, good smart. You know, that seems like a way to make money and all this. Who does she prostitute with? Judah. Whoa, we got a weird Jerry Springer episode right here. <laughs> all right? Yeah. So Tamar ends up pregnant with Judah's kid. Judah brings Tamar up and says, how, who got Tamar pregnant? Ah, I can't believe it, stone her. And when she, and when the night that she spent with Judah, she took a ring from him as payment. She said, I'm pregnant by the man who owns this ring. I know, Jerry Springer in the making. You know, scary stuff. And he goes, and then I love Judah's response. Far be it from me, she's holier than me. I'm not going to go. Wait a second. Just a second ago, you wanted to stone her. And now she's better than you? Oh. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know that's in Jesus' lineage? And I don't know about you, but I have a couple first cousins married to each other, and I don't tell a soul because I'm ashamed of it. 
I don't tell a soul. I'm like, mm-mm, that, we don't talk about that family. Mm-mm, we don't talk about those things. And what's really funny about Jesus and his genealogy, he puts that at the very beginning of Matthew and saying, this is who I am because my family does not define me. We are not hatched through our physical family. We're hatched through our spiritual family. That's very important to know. So you're bonded and you hatch. And you hatch through your spiritual family. Another thing that that we have to do is practice. We have to practice. It's very important. How are boundaries born? You have to practice it. Um, It says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things who give him strength. Yet it was good for you to share my troubles. We always forget chapter 14. We always focus on chapter 13. I can do all him who gives me strength. But yet it was good to you to share my troubles. I could have kept it in, but I didn't. And it was better that I didn't keep it in. We got to practice with each other. We got to practice practicing boundaries. And the next thing that we have to do, the last thing in how boundaries are born, is we have to own them. We have to own what's in our body. We have to own what's, what's in our boundary. We have to own it. And when we make a mistake, we have to just come out and say, guess what? I made a mistake. Is it the end of the world that you made mistakes? Did you know everyone in the world made a mistake? Then why do we go about so hard to hide it? We don't need to, yeah, it's pride. We don't need to, we don't need to hold on to those things. And boundaries are owned by owning it. That's how it is. And here's the thing, too, is it's okay not to be okay. We're here because we're not okay, and that's all right. It says in Proverbs 21, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so must one person sharpen another. Did you know this? This is a shocker. God expects you to make mistakes. Lynn has one of my favorite sayings ever. Do something. I know, because it's, it's a good one. My favorite, my favorite thing that he says is do something even if it's wrong. Just do something. It's so much easier to steer a ship and go, ah, you need to go two degrees to the right than it is to get the ship going. It's so, so much easier to do. It's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to depend on godly relationships and God community for help. Not only is it okay, but it's a very important word. It's called church. And church is a two-way street. And one day, you will be a person that you need help. And here's the beautiful thing about church, because the next day is you'll be the person who helps. It's a beautiful thing. And that's why boundaries are so important. So the huge lie is that we can't help people from hurting. False. We can't help people. Uh, You do not have to be completely... uh, You do not have to be everything be 100% okay to help people. Did you know that? You know, you, you can walk around and it's called, you know, uh, it's okay to not be okay. Uh, you do not have to be healthy to help. Helping someone while in the process of figuring out your boundaries is called healing. You can't heal stayed in one spot. You got to go forward is what I'm trying to say. And healing from past boundary issues doesn't mean you're hypocritical. What it means is that you're real. That's what it means. And that's okay. So we're going to take a uh, like a five, ten minute break. And then uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about boundaries within oneself. And this one will be a little more practical. This one was more term. So, all right. Fun stuff. Fun stuff.